Uh, anyway, we're going to start this morning or continue this morning on a series I started officially last week. We kind of started a month ago, actually, uh, looking at a tool that I think God has given us that is underutilized. The tool that, that Jesus utilized in his ministry time and time again, we see that Jesus did something that many of us can do very well. He ate with people. He took time to sit at tables with people. I mean, if you're talking about a calling that God's brought us to, pastor's preaching a good calling. He's calling you to, to, to sit at a table, Roy. That sounds good. I mean, seriously. Like, I like that. That's good. That's something I can comprehend. And even last week as we looked at the table, I looked at the ministry of Christ and we saw how from just about the beginning to the end of his ministry, he's sitting at tables or he's taking time for a table, uh, joining, uh, breaking bread with people um, throughout his life. But also read some statistics that even in the world, that's, this isn't the spiritual side of things, but in the world, they've, they've done many studies that show people who share family meals or have this time at the table the product of that in their children's lives is tangible. They see good fruit when people spend time at the table together. And so this morning I want to continue that. And before everybody goes and just starts opening your table, I fear I probably should say why. Like why the table? Why is it that Jesus used it? Why is it in the world there seems to be something that comes from that? Why the table? I mean, of all the things, Jesus, he had everything at his hands, all things at his disposable that he could have used. And, and he chose to use something as simple as a table. For, for many of us, ours is some particle ward type thing that's in our kitchen, or maybe it's plastic, or some people have real wood tables in our rooms. Like, why is it that something powerful can happen at that? It's not like the tabernacle in the Old Testament, like where God gave them and he said, take six cubits or ten cubits and you put this piece here and you put that piece here. He doesn't give us a formula for our table, like so many cubits of wood and, and to use gopher wood because we all have that and, and to inlay it with gold and then carve in cherubim on both sides. I mean, there's no descriptions like that for the table. So so why the table? I asked some some of the ladies, actually Wednesday at prayer, this very question. And when I asked them, they gave me a lot of answers. And, and one of them I want to start with today. Uh, but before I do, I've got, I've got one more thing that I've got to do. One minute. One minute. And I tell you what, you stand in front of a bunch of people looking at you for a minute and don't say a word. One minute in our world sometimes can seem so long. 
really the, the simplicity of the table. The power of the table, I think, can be reflected in that one minute. I think the, 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 the goodness of the table, some of the, the reality of what is accomplished at the table, it's something that comes through that one minute because oftentimes we don't have that, that, one, that one minute. There's a story that I read last week. I want to I pick up with it this week if my clicker will work, which it's not. I'll just try it again. And again. And again. Jeez. Well, okay, I'm just going to read this. If you've got a Bible or you've got a cell phone, you can look at it. Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that, that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Um, this is a story in Scripture that we've heard. Pastors preached on this before. I've talked about it, but when it came to the simplicity of the table, I think it, it brings about a, an incredible truth. There were some main characters in this story. Um, the verse we, we met was, was, was Martha, she opened her home, right? She's the one who invited Jesus to come over. Uh, her sister was there, uh, Mary. And what did she do? She sat at the Lord's feet and listened to him. And she had Martha. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came and said, Lord, don't you care? My sister has left me to do the work all by myself. Tell her to help me. There was a tension that was in this home that was coming through the table. Hey, sometimes the table brings tension. That's not my sermon, but we'll just put it out there. Sometimes our table brings tension because we're all together. Uh, Sometimes the table can be a place of tension. There was tension in this home. Why? Because Martha was doing everything and Mary wasn't helping. And Martha was so upset, she called out to Jesus and she said, aren't you going to do something about this, Martha? Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only... This is two big words. Only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. You know, the place of the table... The purpose of a table, the simplicity of the table, is that it's a place where we stop. Isn't that really what a table is designed to be? A place where we stop. A place where we pause. A place where we can come together. And, and so Mary and Martha, Martha invites Jesus over and, and there's so much that has to be done. You know, there's always going to be things. There are many things. There are important things. There's necessary things. There's lots of things. There's unnecessary things. There's fun things. There's bad things. There's all kinds of things that we can do. But Jesus' response to Martha was there is one thing. There's one thing that is needed. 
You know, I think in our culture, in our world now, we're in Crawford, Nebraska. I'm sure this, I was in Omaha uh, a couple weeks ago. I'm sure this message looks a lot different in Omaha. But the reality is we live in a culture that is so fast-paced. There's so many things. There's so much stuff. There's so many things to be done. There's, there's work to be done. There's, there's ideas to be done. There's, there's friends to be with. There's all this stuff that comes that we never really find time. For the one thing that is needed. In this context, uh, Charles Spurgeon said, The one thing needful evidently is that which Mary chose, the good part which should not be taken away from her. Very clearly this was to sit at Jesus' feet and hear his words. This and nothing less and nothing more. Too often, we're consumed with the all things that we miss the one thing. The one thing, we see it in other places in Scripture. Luke chapter 18, a certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. And the ruler replies, all these I've kept since I was a boy. He said, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. You see, in our lives... Oftentimes, we have a one thing. You know what I find interesting is the young ruler's one thing seemed to be different than Martha's one thing. Right? But I wonder if we're honest with ourselves, maybe there's a one thing that we wrestle with. Maybe there's a one thing that stands in the way of what God has. Not that I've already obtained all this or already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken it, taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It seems as though Martha may have been distracted by the preparations and the rich young ruler may have been distracted by the wealth and, 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 and Paul and this in this setting, he's talking about all that was is keeping him from, from being where God wants him to be. So I've got to forget what was. But one thing I do, forgetting what was, I press on toward the goal which is heavenward in Christ Jesus. In Psalm chapter 27, when the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies and foes who will stumble and fall. Listen to the stuff in the psalmist's life. There's a lot of stuff that comes. There's a lot of issues that arise. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing. One thing I ask the Lord. This only do I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe 
in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a wreck, a rock, not a wreck. That would be weird. I believe the value, the importance, the revelation of the power of the table is in the simplicity of being still. It's not like a a, a drive up and eat it in the car along the way. It's the intentionality of pulling up a chair and sitting our our behinds down and actually engaging in the moment where we are. You know, sometimes it's really hard anymore. You go to a restaurant. I talked about that a, a month ago. There's restaurants that have banned cell phones because no one really engages in the table because we're too distracted because we got too much stuff. I get it. Life is busy. I get it. There's lots of preparations. There's lots of stuff to be done. You know what happens at our table a lot of times? This is even as pastor preaches on this. Mom is like Martha. You know what I'm saying? Our table, we got six of us, and so you can't really always put all the food on the table, so it's in the kitchen. And so we make plates and we bring it to the table. And the kids sit down at the table and they start eating. And, and, and we're making more plates and bring them to the table. So I sit down. Well, Tam's the one left. There's a little island or a little this thing in our kitchen. It's like this whole other world. And she gets stuck in there. It's like the call window in like an old diner. Like that's just what happens. Mom, I need a refill. Mom, I need this. We need some salt. We need some napkins. Sometimes, if we make it a priority, maybe we make space on our table to bring it all to the table rather than leave it in the kitchen. We can make sure the one thing is the main thing. We can make sure that we have time for one another. We can make sure that that we're, we're engaging one another in the moment that we have. This is a principle that God has taught us. The table is a place, it's a place of rest. It's a place of nurturing. It's a place uh, of being. God, when he created the world, what did he do on the seventh day? He modeled the discipline of stillness, right? This is God who was, who is, and always will be. He's all-powerful, but even the all-powerful had a, had a, have a day that he said, I'm going to rest on this day. There was a time I- I engaged in which he had to rest, There's a psalm I want to read. One more psalm. Psalm chapter 41. God is our refuge and strength. This psalm has one of my favorite words in all scripture. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Maybe you can see if you can pick it out. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he's brought on the earth. He makes wars to cease. To the ends of the earth, he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still. And know that I'm God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress.
Any guesses on my word? Close. Very close. It's not CC there. It's the one word that's in there three times that I didn't say. The psalmist, when they wrote the psalms, they, they put this word in there intentionally. This word, Selah. The word Selah means pause and reflect. Just stop and think. We like this word so much. My wife wanted to name Avery this, but I said, you know, I, that's just, you can't do that. Like, everybody's going to come to her and say, La, like, Selah. Like, I mean, seriously, like, not necessarily the, the right name, but it's the right principle. What, what a value it is that in the Word of God we see the discipline of stillness modeled to us. That in the midst of the Psalms, this is only 11 verses long, three times. Stop and think. My one minute. We're so unconditioned to stopping and thinking that when we have one minute of pause, we're not comfortable. When we've got one minute of stillness, we don't know what to do. We're so stimulated time and time again, over and over again, that we can't just stop for just a little bit and think about what God has for us. Probably should look at my notes at some point. In Matthew chapter 11, I don't have it up here. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Come learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know, that's the beauty of the table, is it's a place of stillness. It's a place where we can come and find rest for our souls. It's a place that hopefully my kids, they're getting lots of food and they're eating more than we can put on the table, and I'm sure it's only going to get worse. Right, John? (laughs) But I hope that it's a place of stillness, that it can be a place of rest. Because I don't know about you, but I need a place of rest. I need a place of stillness. This morning, in just a few moments, you guys can come forward. I don't know what you're doing. We're going to prepare for communion. I'll just say this because I know there's a lot of people here uh, that, that don't normally call this their home church. In our church, we practice open communion. What does that mean? If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, please participate in what we're doing. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then now is the perfect time. How do I do that? I ask Jesus to come in my life. I ask him to forgive my sins. I acknowledge that he died for my sin, and I can have eternal life. That's how how easy it is. But this morning, I want us to, to practice the discipline of the table. You know, I know it's it's Fourth of July weekend. It's carrying Sunday, so we got tables that need to be put out. We got chairs that need to be moved. We got food that's either in there or it's in a refrigerator that may need to get warmed up. We got we got things that we got to accomplish. We may have picnics to plan. We may have food to cook. We may have outfits to pick out for the rodeo. Roy, skinny jeans and cowboy boots. You should see him at the rodeo. This is why he doesn't sit in the front. 
That's why Jim's in the back right now, too. But before all that, before we get to all that, Selah, before we we get about the busyness of what is, why don't we pause? Why don't we just stop and think for a little bit about what God has done for us? Why don't we pause in the midst of all that is? I know there's preparations to be made. I know there's, there's goodies to cook. I know there's things to accomplish. But maybe God just wants you to be still for a second and know that he is God. Be still and know that I am who I am. Know that I created all this. Know that I love you. Know that I love you so much I sent Jesus Christ to die for you. Know that I love you so much that I want you to be filled with me. I made a place at my table for you to come And be still. To come and know. I'm going to ask the the gentlemen and ladies, whoever's handing out the elements, I don't know who you are, come pass them out. They're going to sing a song.
everyone that served this morning. I always read these verses in 1 Corinthians. Oh, it's not up there. Never mind. It's on here. Chapter 11. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took some bread. And when he gave given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This morning, let's just stop and think about the body of Christ. The body that was broken for you. A body that was willingly sacrificed so that you could be a part of His body. So you could be part of, uh, of the greatest quote-unquote organism, the greatest family that's ever existed, the body of Christ for me. This morning we can remember all that was accomplished through the body of Christ. Just stop. Think. of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you set a table this morning so that I could remember what was accomplished through that body, the Word that became flesh and made made His dwelling among us. The body that endured a cross so that I could be made a part of your kingdom so that my sins could be forgiven. The body who says I'm the way, the truth, and the life the body who's given me a place in your family. Let us partake. It says in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This cup is a big cup. This cup is an incredible cup. It's it's a cup that holds the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood sacrifice that was shed for us. But it's also the cup of the new covenant. What's a covenant? It's a promise of God that cannot be broken. Every promise God has for you, it's symbolic in this cup. The promise of purpose, the promise of forgiveness, the promise of eternal life, it's in this cup. Stop. Stop and think. Pause and reflect.
God, I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you for the cup of the new covenant. For every promise, for every page that you've written for my life that is true. For my place in your kingdom, a kingdom that doesn't fail. the promises that you've made throughout my life. With the promise of salvation that isn't just for me, but is for my children and their children. With the promise of love that is unconditional, that is never-ending, thank you for the cup and I receive it in Jesus name I'm going to have them go ahead and sing this again but before they do I'm going to speak my blessing the Lord bless you and keep you may he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you may turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you find a place to sit at his feet and just listen. Amen? Be blessed.